Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On this week's episode, I welcome in Adele Spragan, who is a behavioral change expert, award-winning author, and international speaker and trainer. And as a behavioral change expert, she explores topics that illustrate the potential of the human brain and its ability to make optimal choices that reduce conflict and achieve goals in all areas of life. And we had quite a fascinating conversation. I know I was jotting down notes throughout the entire interview. We talked about overcoming obstacles, decision-making, repatternization, um, a lot of great things that we discussed throughout. And hope you all have some great impact um, as you guys lead this interview as well. So let's jump right in. Without further ado, my chat today with Adele Spragon. Let's get it started. Adele, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have you. Great to be here. Thanks, Brian. Well, I'm excited to do, to chat with you. Obviously, with your rich experience, I think it could be helpful for a lot of folks, especially you know listening in. And, and I'm going to take a lot of notes for myself personally, just around getting started and you know how we have a lot of these things in our head. You know, how do we overcome them and ultimately get to a better spot in life? And what I thought would be fun is um, I have four topics I wrote down. And we're going to do dealer's choice here. We're going to make this really fun. I'm going to let you pick the topic and then we'll go on that tangent and we'll circle back to all of them. But here's the four topics I thought would be really uh, valuable. Overcoming fear slash obstacles, decision-making, happiness, and then writing books. Which topic do you want to start with? What do you want to start with? (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Let's go with overcoming obstacles. Beautiful. Okay. So obviously this is a, this is a big part. I know a lot of folks have, I know myself, you know, we're just talking about the podcast, you know, celebrating three years and stuff and overcoming the fear has been such a big part of my life because of a lot of self-limiting beliefs and, you know, kind of conditioned, I think things probably from childhood, but can you share a little bit, I, I think from like an overcoming fear, what are you seeing with a lot of folks you're working with? What are some things maybe you've discovered in your own life of how fear, how, how obstacles, almost we put we put those barriers in the way where in reality they may not need to be there um, with some maybe deeper explanation or thought that, that we do. But let's start there and then we'll go down a, a rabbit hole, I'm sure, with that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so, um, well, let's, let's just say it this way, Brian. Like most people, when they think about problems in life or they think about situations, they look outside of themselves and they say the problem exists out there, right? So I'm afraid of that. Or, you know, that person is making me anxious. But the way that I have come to see it, based on all my research on neuroscience and all the way our brain is working, is that the problem doesn't actually live out there. The problem actually lives inside a pattern that exists within our brain. And when we can flip that switch and say, oh, hang on a minute, okay, it looks to me like the situation is causing me to feel afraid, but actually it's a pre-existing pattern inside my brain that is experiencing fear in this situation. That's a massive change of experience because suddenly that person is much more empowered to say, okay, how do I then change the pattern rather than how do I fix the situation out there, right? So we've got to fix it all out there. It's way too big. It's just massive. But if we own the pattern, if it's our pattern, now we can get control of that and do something about it. 
are are you saying then? Would you agree or maybe disagree that so like my fear of let's say starting the podcast is similar to my fear of flying? They're one in the same. Then is that how, what you're saying? Is just I got to look at the the pattern unlock, and and that can um, help me or. Yeah, so actually it's very, very difficult to trace back where a pattern originates. So inside your question, it's it, it was almost it was almost there. It was like, how do I find the source of my pattern in order right. to deal with the fear, right? <laughs> right. Okay, but I like to say there is no logic in patterns. So okay. our brain created patterns when we were little. We weren't born with patterns. So the beautiful thing about a human being is unlike other animals that are born instinctive and intuitive and know what to do in life, we are not. We are born pretty much a blank slate, we could say. And so from the moment that we come into this world, we very quickly got to piece together patterns. And our brain is exceptional. It, it, it's what it does. Our brain instinctively builds patterns. And so from the moment we're born, it just starts to piece together all of these different patterns. It weaves all of these channels together, and then it works on them. And so there's no logic, there's no way to say, why am I afraid of flying, right? What you can say is, I have a pattern that fears flying. Mm -hmm. And now you can deconstruct or pull apart that pattern. And you can also say, I have a fear of, of starting my podcast. That may or may not be the same source. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter. As a lot, all you have to do is identify what's going on now, rather than try and figure out why it's going on now. Okay. Yeah. Cause when I, when I think about this a lot and, and I hear this from other folks I talk with, you know, a lot of it for me was the, um, the fear of the, un, again, I'm using the word fear, but the unknown because mm -hmm. this is, so actually I'll, I'll be curious your thoughts on this story. I, I just thought about this. I forgot. Uh, it's been a little while, but I am um, back in like, I've been in this like Renaissance period, I say for the last six, seven years, this kind of self-discovery, but I remember, so being afraid of flying, I was terrified. I'm talking like white knuckle, like I, I couldn't even be on a plane. But I just decided one day, I said, wait a minute, I don't even know how a plane works. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, maybe I'm, there's no re reason to be fearful. So I actually researched on Google for many hours, you know, looked at lift and drag and, oh, there's pilots that do this for a living and, and all this stuff. And I'm actually, I overcame that fear. Um, I don't get, uh, I, don't, I don't have fear anymore when I get on planes. I certainly every once in a while, you know, but it's not a, it's not like it used to be seven years ago. So have you seen that as well? Is it, is it like, is it, maybe that's part of the learning the pattern is like gaining more knowledge and allowing myself to understand there's a different belief than I used to believe when I was younger. Am I saying that right? Or am I off, I guess, on that point? Yeah, no, that, that's a really good, um, that is one way to deal with our patterns of behavior, right? Sure. So, um, you know, the easiest way to think about yourself, Brian, excuse me, I just got to cough a moment. <coughs> the easiest way to think of yourself is think of yourself as an iceberg. And at the top of the water are all your actions, behaviors, beliefs. So we could place your fear of flying at the top of that iceberg. That was a behavior. Mm -hmm. And we can deal with that by changing our beliefs. So if you think of that iceberg, actions are at the top, behaviors under, beliefs under that. So you could do, okay, I'm going to change this belief and that will trickle up and change my behavior and change my action, right? And that, that's, a, that's a traditional approach to personal and professional development. Okay. Or we could say, okay, what's under the water? And what's under the water is the pattern. It's that channel in the brain, right? 
And we could say, okay, that is what's giving rise to that belief, which is then giving rise to the behavior and giving rise to the action. And so if transforming the belief doesn't support the person in changing the behavior, then let's go deeper. Let's go under the water to the pattern itself. Because, you know, great, and sometimes that works. If I get more information, more education, that will change me, definitely. But that doesn't always work for all people. And then we tend to make ourselves wrong when it doesn't work for us. And that's that's the part that's really sad, right? Because there is nothing wrong. The human being is, I mean, we are adaptability itself. That's who we are at our core. And so there's never anything to fix. There's just patterns that are in the way and just need to be removed. So do you find that it's really from upbringing a lot of this? This is from childhood, you know, maybe it's parents or, or folks that kind of taught us when we were kids has put that into us. Is that is that where you're finding a lot of the research showing or? Um, it can be, but, but today's world, I mean, we're talking about fear here. So let's look at what's actually going on in the world out there today, right? Um, our nervous systems are getting bombarded with massive amounts of information and massive amounts of disinformation. Mm -hmm. And just trying to deal with all that is bringing up massive amounts of anxiety. So, you know, every age has its plague. And (laughs) our last age, you know, we could have said that was cancer and heart attacks. Well, we're now starting to cure those. Those are going away. So our next plague, what is it now? It's mental illnesses. We're seeing them popping up everywhere. Mental illnesses are, you know, from the time that children are born, they're born ADHD and all of this other stuff that we've never heard of before, right? And so, um, you know, that is, that's a testament to the amount of information that we're now causing to swim in. So we can say that some of the patterns come from birth, but some of them just come from cultural group patterns that we're all part of. And whether it's a pattern, your individual pattern or group pattern, it doesn't matter. We can deal with it the same way. Okay. So how would be how would you encourage folks to maybe start on the path to um, overcoming some of those uh, those patterns? Is there any practice that they can do right away? Yeah. So one other one thing to know. Well, first of all, let's identify what a pattern is. Okay. Right. How about there we, we start there? All right. Let's because go there. We're not talking about patterns of behavior or patterns of belief. I'm not talking about habits. Those are repeated actions. Okay. It's none of those things. A pattern is very simple. It's an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, and thought. When the three aspects of our being come together. They result in a particular action, a particular behavior, or a particular belief, okay? Mm-hmm. So what we do when we repattern is we just gently tease those apart. We just pull apart the meaning that the thought brings to the emotion and how the emotion appears to be attached to the physical sensation. Does that make sense? Yep. Now, you know, if, if you look at the research into emotions, it, they're very interesting in and of itself because if you walk into a bakery, and you have a sensation in your stomach, you will interpret it as an as hunger. If you walk into a doctor's office, same emotion, same physical sensation, you will interpret it as fear. So it it's not directly attached. It's all inside the pattern and in that interweaving. And that's why we can take apart the fear from the flying because they're not actually related. As you can see, when you yeah. look at it logically, it's like there's no reason to be afraid, right? So we can pull that apart, and that's where we start. We start with identifying 
what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And what is one thought that I'm having? Hmm. And that's the pattern. Interesting. Wow. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a lot to digest there. So that's, um, it's, I never thought about it that way. Cause you think, I guess in simple terms, like, Oh, I have a fear of this. It must've come from, you know, but that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. There's kind of a deeper approach to it. Uh, if you will, Let, let's, we're going to stick on that. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll circle back to a lot of these, but I, I want to transition that maybe this is, is good to decision-making. Yeah. So I think this is a big part of everything. Right. And so I wanted to uh, approach the topic of acting versus reacting and get your thoughts on that from a decision-making process. Because obviously we're, we're all going through, gosh, a lot of change in 2020 to 2021. So from a decision-making process, what are your thoughts on that from an acting on it versus reacting in terms of decision-making? Well, can we go a little bit prior to either the action or the reaction? <laughs> start, start where you want. I'm just, I'm prepping you. You start, start where you want. All right. Okay. Um, here is the latest findings in neuroscience. Are you ready to be blown away? Yes. All right. <laughs> that decision that we think we are making originates in the subconscious and you are already in action before you know you are going to take that action. Hmm. Okay? okay, so we might need to repeat that. We're already in motion, meaning that we've already predetermined that action before we consciously become aware that we are going to take that action. So if we could hook your brain up to a brain scanner, it would know the next question you're going to ask me a fraction of a second before you know you're going to ask me that question. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Go on. I know. It's <laughs> freaky, right? Very. <laughs> so we're living in an age of disruption because suddenly all of this idea about free will is being called into question. And if we know that we are not originating that decision, then we can say, okay, how do I change my action then? How do I take a different action? And what we can, what we can do is we can reflect back on an action that we've taken and ask the question, did that work? And if we say, no, it didn't work, then we can get to work changing the pattern that took that action, mm -hmm. okay? And this reverses everything. But also when you think about it, this takes away all the blame and all the shame of making a poor decision because you didn't actually make it, your pattern did, okay? <laughs> So if that's the case, then we can start with a much more forgiving attitude to the actions that we've taken. And instead of beating ourselves up and trying to change them and all of that effort we kind of put into taking a different action, we can just change the pattern. And then suddenly we are taking new actions, but it's effortless. Would you say that's part, you know, because we talk, you know, hindsight, right, of kind of looking back and, you know, if, if the decision didn't work out, we're like, oh, that was a bad decision. But the reality is we made the decision with the information we had at the time. So it's not that we can't we can't judge it by the outcome always. Right. Because sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Is that is that part of what you're saying is that we could change that pattern um, of the thinking then before? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we, if we know that we are typically make a decision, if we know we typically take an action that doesn't work for us, right? And when I say doesn't work, I don't mean for the individual. I mean, doesn't work for anybody, right? If it doesn't work for anybody, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. 
So say that we're, I don't know, let, let's just pick a situation. Let's say that I'm always fighting with my husband. And every time he walks through the door, I have the same fight with him over and over again. Right. Okay. Um, if I try and, and change that behavior, just think about how much effort I have to put into doing that, right? So I might, in a traditional approach, try affirmations or try a gratitude journal or try forgiving myself or try changing the beliefs, right? He's not really like that. I'm not like that, all of that mm -hmm. stuff. A heck of a lot of effort. But what happens instead if I just reflect back and say, okay, that didn't work and that's a pattern that lives in me and I can deconstruct that pattern. And then I go to work removing the pattern itself. Then the next time he comes through the door, I am not going to have the same behavior. Right? I'm not going to take the same action because the pattern no longer exists. Now, what action I'm going to take, I don't know yet. I'll find out because my new pattern is going to take a new action. But I'll tell you what it won't be, that old action. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's well, a tricky way of uh, seeing it, life, right? It is interesting. <laughs> well, so is it, is it, again, this is my just, my monkey brain here trying to, or trying to understand this. It, it, is it related similar to them like um and again, this may be way off, but I'm thinking of like a habit where, you know, I bite my nails all the time, but if I'm trying to change the habit, I do something else when I'm going to bite my nail. It's almost like I, I retrain. Is, is that part of it? You're trying to retrain that pattern? Is that a, a way I can say it or not so much? Yeah, well, let's try and simplify it just a little bit more, right? Um, what is a pattern? Well, a pattern you could see as a, a neural pathway in the brain, mm -hmm. right? Um on that neuron pathway, the information is running down that particular channel. And if you're going to deconstruct that pattern, you're just going to gently tease that apart. And the brain is always rewiring. It has what is called plasticity. It's mm -hmm. constantly rewiring yeah. itself. So when you tease that apart, nature will not have a void. It just won't happen. So it will automatically snap into a different channel. And when it snaps into a different channel, you're now running information down a different pathway. And you're going to have completely different beliefs, completely different behaviors when that information runs that way, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's pretty much the simple way of saying it. Okay. We, we're just going to take what happens spontaneously all the time, which is that brain rewiring, and just make it systematic. I'm going to yeah. apply it towards this because this doesn't work. And I'm trying to, re I did not think we'd get down this path in this podcast, but this is what's fun about this. You never know. Um, so my son does have ADHD mm -hmm. and sensory processing disorder. And again, the way I'm relating it, I could be totally wrong. But when you talk about the, the neural pathways, if I recall, so, so he does take medication. Um, mm -hmm. We just find it's best for him, um, especially when, when he's in school, although it's virtual now. So that's a whole other story. But when he was in school um, and it's like a, it's like a light bulb like when it clicks in, I can almost tell when the medication kicks in because his behavior changes, the the way that he acts, it's, it's unbelievable how quick it is. But is is that part of it then? It's almost, it's going down just a new pathway to change his patterns or his behavior, um, I, I guess, for that period of time that it's in act. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. Okay. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how the particular drugs are working, yeah. but certainly you can see the effect, right? right. So, so the brain is, is firing differently mm -hmm. and therefore the behaviors and the actions and the beliefs are different, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, we could say, we could say that's a good analogy 
for how you can deconstruct and recreate a pattern that actually works for you. Right? Yeah, not that you would need, not that you want to do it with medication. Obviously, that, that that's a, a specific example, right. but it's. I think again, I'm trying to get my my brain around how that actually works. So that that's my analogy. That I think I probably should do more research on that. That's actually a good uh, a good thought with the pattern there. Um, yeah, but but I liked what you were saying in terms of results. I mean that yeah. that's because uh, as you can see, your son kind of appears to step out of one identity into another identity, right? Yeah, and that we could say is the same when somebody repatterns. They're going along in a particular behavior of a particular belief, like take your fear of flying, mm -hmm. and then suddenly they just step into a person who has no fear of flying. You know, it's yeah. like. They're one identity and now they're a different identity, right? Yeah. And so that that's the beauty of the human brain. It, it has that capacity to just rewrite, rewrite itself, change its narrative like that. Yeah. And, and I don't expect there to be a perfect answer to this because it's probably wide ranging. But when you work with different folks, what do you find is the time frame that it takes to that quote unquote rewiring, that changing the pattern? Is that within hours, days, weeks, months? Like, what are you finding is probably the norm? Yeah, so it takes um, it takes about six weeks to learn the process, right? Okay. So to, to just learn how to establish the deconstruction uh, patterning takes six weeks. Once somebody has it, it, it doesn't really depend on the person per se. It depends on how identified they are with a particular pattern. So some of our patterns, our identification with it is quite shallow. And so in that case, we're, we can repattern it very, very quickly. In some cases, it's deeply ingrained, right? Mm. It's like we know ourselves as that and only as that. And if that's the case, it takes a number of applications of the repatterning technique in order to repattern it. And it's just, you know, I like to think of it as, information has ran down that channel so many times mm -hmm. <laughs> that we're just, that's me, right? That's yeah. me, that's me, because we've done it so often. And so if you just think of it as, as just ingrained, but eventually it will tease apart. There's nothing that we can't repattern. I haven't found anyone. How did you, uh, just kind of a side tangent here, if I take the, the side road for a little bit, why are you passionate about this? How did, how did you come to wanting to do this, you know, as your oh life's mission? <laughs> Well, I've been in the personal development space for, oh, 35 years, something like that. And for the first 10, 15 years, I was working with people using the traditional approach, right? Like, hey, let's set a better goal. Let's teach you how to take those right steps. If you can't take those steps, we're going to change your mindset. And, you know, and, and I was convinced that that was the way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't stop. I couldn't sometimes get past my own behaviors. Right? right. I had this behavior of quitting and I just could not break it. Like I would just quit business after business after business. Hmm. Um, I had terrible high anxiety. I had panic attacks every single day and I could not get past my anxiety. I was, a, I was people pleasing like crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. And all of this, no matter how much I knew and how much I applied to myself, I couldn't break it. And so I went, all right, it can't be me. I'd done everything at this point that I knew to do. And, and if, if it was out on the market, I tried it, okay? So I said, eventually I said, it can't be me. We've got the wrong operating instructions. There's something off. And so 
I went to university. I enrolled in university. I, I graduated. I got my master's. And I wanted to study how the human brain works, how it works to think, how it works to come up with a belief. And so based on that, I, I really began to comprehend that, yeah, we do have the wrong operating instructions. There's <laughs> something off. And so I did a deep dive into my own mind and I created a four-step technique to change the underlying pattern. And at that point, it, it, it was like I stepped out of one identity into another. Yeah. I was in an identity of quitting. I no longer quit. I mean, it just never even entered my head. I had anxiety attacks, never, just gone, boom, overnight. So I started teaching it. I, I brought together about 15 people. I said, come on, let's give this a try. They started to get some incredible results. From there, um, I took it online and I took it all over the world and they started to get incredible results and it's just snowballed. It's like anybody who can apply this technique correctly, um, it, it, whatever is stopping them is just gone. Was there one big, um, you know, aha moment, if you will, in your discovery process to, to change the pattern that, that quitting to obviously not quitting? Was there one thing that you remember was like such so impactful that you uncovered? Anything in particular you'd share? Um, let's see. It was the one impactful moment that I went, ah. Oh. You know, I, I mean, I think the, the, the interesting, the most intriguing part about repatterning is we as repatternists, people who work with this tool, we mm -hmm. actually have to keep lists of what we're working on. And the reason is, is because as soon as it's repatterned, it is gone. And it, it's so intriguing. The memory of it is gone. That how we were before inside that pattern is gone. And we have to have something on paper and then we'll look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's right. I used to do that. I used to be like that. <laughs> right? and, it, and it's so surprising to watch because it's literally gone. <laughs> so I think that's the most surprising part is just how remarkably effortless life can be with the right operating instructions. And does that lead, it kind of, you know, circles back to the point I had here at happiness. Do you find that that folks are just unhappy if they, if they haven't deconstructed, you know, how to get to that other side? Yeah. Well, you know, the subconscious is always attempting to knock on our door and, and help us along. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a, a really, um, Freud left us with a terrible impression of the unconscious as being something that wants to sabotage us. But actually, it really is always trying to support us. It's just that it doesn't speak English. It doesn't speak our language. It speaks emotional language. Mm. And so how it tries to get through is it tries, it creates unhappiness. It creates friction. It creates internal conflict. And all it's trying to say is, knock, knock, you're running an old pattern from the past. It's time to upgrade, right? Um, so when we know that and when we can relate to everything that occurs, fears, unhappiness, sadness, friction, conflict out there, everything as, oh, okay, this is my unconscious knocking on the door saying, hey, time for an upgrade. 
then happiness is your birthright, right? That's what the yogis always say, and that's what they mean. Like, if we can live here now, if we can know how to rebuild a pattern now, for now, mm -hmm. then you're just naturally happy. And, and that's, that's something that, you know, we suffer a lot just simply because we're using the wrong operating instructions. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Does that answer your question? I'm not sure if I went down a, a rabbit hole there. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of right on the path of just on how do you unlock happiness? Cause you hear a lot of folks that are trying to, they're trying to look for that key, you know, you might, might call it more fulfillment in life. Right. And that's something, you know, I, I think a lot about, but like, how do we get down that path? You know, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, how do we get outside the comfort zone, quote unquote, and sometimes we have to be in discomfort, but it, that's hard for a lot of folks. I know myself sometimes to, to have that small area of discomfort that leads to greater learning, meaning, whatever you want to, you know, coin it as. But um, that's what I'm like. You know, I'm curious just on, on happiness. Like, I, I don't know if I'll, I, I need to land the plane on this thought, but like if, if I'm thinking of it like semi, like most folks I found and I look in the mirror, that's why I can say that is like I live semi happy because I didn't want to go through the struggle of discomfort to get to a better spot. And once I realized, well, wait a minute, that's part of the journey to get to fulfillment. It changed everything. So I don't know if I changed the pattern or not. Maybe I can cover. It. I have no idea, but I'm just curious if, if folks you work with, if you're finding, you know, what are some of the keys that they have to do to get to a happier spot? Is it just the pattern or are there anything else, any extensions of that you're finding um, in your, in your work? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, um, well, okay, traditional approaches have us striving for happiness, striving for gratitude, striving to get past our comfort zone. Um, it's almost as if we have to change something to get there, right? Okay. And when we know that all it is is patterns, then we get to see, oh, hang on a minute, we're working on the wrong thing. Because... Happiness, gratitude, all of those things are actually a, a result, not the thing we need to get to, right? Gotcha. What okay. we should be concentrating on is what makes me unhappy and removing that. Mm. Under that is natural happiness. What makes me scared? Remove that and you won't face a comfort zone. What makes me ungrateful? Remove that, you're naturally grateful. Because human beings are, are naturally social creatures. We need each other. We love each other. We, we want to be with each other. And so there's something in our way of just allowing that to happen. And that's all those fears and anxieties and all of those things that we face. Interesting. So in, in present day, you and I talking now, like we should just be good where we're at start to remove the unhappy stuff and not worry so much about achieving this greater happiness. Cause that'll come if we remove the have unhappiness basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. And just recognize that that unhappiness is just driven by an unworkable pattern that's somewhere in your past and that can be rewired. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I want. I do want to ask you about uh, about writing a little bit because I'm always fascinating. Someone like myself that that likes to write and um, and books and stuff like that. Why did you decide? You because you didn't have to write a book. You could have just went and did your stuff you normally do. Why did you decide to to go the book writing route? Um, I, I, uh, logically, <laughs> I wanted to reach as many people as possible. Right. Um, 
I knew that um, trying to teach this one-on-one or, or trying to teach this just to one and to a group, the maximum people I could reach was a few thousand in my lifetime, right? But a book that's intellectual property, they can go anywhere. So I, I always say if somebody has a message, put it in a book or or in a video format or in something that, that can uh, go beyond you, right? Um, but... Um, I, I like writing. That's my medium. That's how I express myself. So everybody has to find theirs. And it, like you, you have a podcast that will live on beyond you, right? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a book. Yeah. Did, what was the writing process like for you? Did you write a certain amount per day? Like, do you have a word count you're sticking to? Was it just over time it came together? How, how did you go about actually um, executing on it? Um. Great question. So I, I'm somebody who uh, I'm most creative in the morning. That's just when I create. So that I don't have a formal, I'm going to do this schedule on this time. I don't put myself in that. I'm, I'm not that rigid with myself. When I feel like writing, I write. Mm-hmm. I, I If I don't feel like writing and I have to create something, right? So let's say that I put together a group of people and I have to teach a class and I don't have anything for that class, then I would just remove the pattern that's keeping me stuck and then the writing just flows. So that's how I do it myself. Hmm. And did you self-publish or did you go through a publisher? How did you? How did that process work? I did. I, I decided to self-publish. It's um, today I think that's probably easier and yeah. it, it you don't and it costs a lot less. <laughs> So a publisher for all of the authors out there does want to take quite a bit of a chunk of that money. Whereas if you self-publish, it's 100% yours once you pay for the book. And did you um, did you use like Amazon to do that? Or did you do something else altogether where you just printed a bunch of copies? Like how did you go about self-publishing? Yeah, so I got, I got a designer who designed my cover mm-hmm. and she published it for me on Amazon. So there are... Um, shops out there that will do all of that for you. You don't have, you just have to write it, right? Yeah. Um, and then I did print some copies and some I just print on demand. So if it's through Amazon, they, they will print it for you. You don't have to have copies in your basement. I do have some because I give them out to my clients. Yeah. Well, yeah, because my curiosity is around, you know, this is stuff I'm trying to learn as I, as I launch some books here is around like the launch process. You know, I know folks are putting like launch teams together, did, did, was there anything cool that you did that uh, that kind of helped get the, the book sales up right away or at least got the exposure? Or did you kind of go just kind of the normal route of just getting out to your your audience and then let that kind of word of mouth go? Yeah, I, I personally, I didn't do any of that. My oh, okay. the, the publisher who, so it, when you self-publish, you can still hire a publisher who will put okay. it, make sure it gets the bestseller list on Amazon. And she did all of that for me. <laughs> so I'm probably not the person to ask. Um, it's just not where I like to invest my time. It's okay. I write, they do everything else. <laughs> that's not a bad, that's not a bad way to go to Bob, I guess, if you can go, if you can go that route. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm curious, what's the, when folks come to work with you, what are, what are some things they can expect? What are, you know, how do you start? I know you got, Obviously, you got the book, you got your online classes, stuff like that. What, what, what could they expect if they came and, uh, and work with you? 
So um, I have what, a, what I'm calling a Panamaker hub, which is a place where all the people who are using repatterning are gathering. Mm -hmm. And there, there is online lessons. And then they also work with me. So I do live group coaching classes every week. And I support everybody who is repatterning in those classes. Um, and so, um, so what can they expect? Well, they're going to first learn the tool. They have to have the technique in their pocket, I like to say. Um, they are working, though, on, on whatever is stopping them, whatever their obstacles are, whatever results they want. Um, they are working on those particular patterns that are stopping them. Um, but they all get the same tool. So we, they learn the tool, they apply the tool. And then we apply it, we go beyond the individual, we start applying it to relationships, we apply it to creative expression. So what do they wanna to bring to the world? Um, and you know, if I can just share, Brian, it's remarkable what happens when you start repatterning creativity because our brain is incredible. And everything that you have ever seen, heard, touched, smelled, tasted is stored in the unconscious. Our patterns get in the way of us accessing that. We can't tap into it. Yeah. So when people start to repattern and, and they get in touch with that creativity, they start to journal terminology that they didn't even know they knew. And they have to go look it up. Like they have to go Google it. It's, it's remarkable, right? What starts to happen because the human brain is the capacity of it is amazing. Yeah, it is fascinating. How, and, and like I said, I have this, uh, I don't know if you have kids, but I, you know, I have an eight and a half year old. So like, I, I see like through his eyes of like where maybe I was as a kid and I'm, yeah. I'm always trying to think like, oh gosh, what am I messing him up <laughs> with? Or how do I, you know, how do I help kind of restructure so that he has a better life going forward? So a lot of the thoughts I always have come down to like, well, how does it come down to parenting? You know, it's interesting because I, I did, you know, doing some research prior with relationships and is that more relationships like, you know, kind of love life, or is that? Do you work with co-founders? Like, do you what? What is? What's kind of the folks you work with from a relationship standpoint? Um, honestly, it runs the gamut. I, I worked with um, couples who are on the verge of divorce and repattern their relationship. They become like newlyweds again. I work with leaders who are struggling with their employees and they can't motivate. They keep getting in the way. Mm -hmm. um, so really, like relationships are relationships, client relationships, personal relationships, family relationships, parenting relationships. Um, once we understand relationship patterns, we can apply it anywhere. So interesting. What? Um, so I want to I, I want to ask you this here. So you got it. Let's go back. You can you can take your younger self. So teenage Adele. Okay one piece of impactful advice that you would share to them. And I like to say, you know, you have a post-it note, you're sticking it on the, the computer, they're looking at it every day. What would be something that you would have hoped you had maybe if you went in, in the alternate universe, right? That you could go back and share with your younger self that would be important for them to uh, take with them on their life. Anything you'd share that'd be uh, impactful? Oh, I would be a lot more forgiving with myself. <laughs> Like, like I'm sure many people do in their teens and in their 20s. I was very hard on myself. Um, yeah, here, here's the thing that I can share. Um, if, if somebody, back then, I was always asking why. Why did I do that? How can I do it differently? 
And today I would say, I did it because my parents made me do it. And then I would just get on with life, right? <laughs> Rather than trying to figure it out, beat myself up, and uh, be that really harsh inner critic that lives so harshly in most people. I mean, so a lot of it seems like it comes back to acceptance. If, if I use that, is that a term? Can I use that? Like you have to, it's being accepting of yourself where you're at, ultimately trying to change, but not being so hard on yourself and beating yourself up for who you are as a person. That's just, that's just how you got to this point, but you can change the next chapter. If I gathered everything correct, I'm, is, is that right? You can, you can change where you're going to go. Um, can I can I can I make a slight change to that you, word? Absolutely, because I probably <laughs> okay. butchered it. So, <laughs> okay. um, you know, to accept something is kind of like to to say um, I'm helpless to it, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, how about the word allowing rather than accepting? If we can just allow that that's who we are today, and that's who we were in the past, and yes, that can be changed. Yeah. Right. But let's not beat ourselves up for it, and let's just allow it and see what flows next. That's really good. I like that point. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow versus acceptance. I'll, 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 that's fair. We'll, we'll, we'll allow okay. that. Adele, <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been awesome. Where could any, any kind of lasting thoughts to the, uh, the listeners? Where can they find you online? Anything you'd like to share uh, with the folks listening in? Yeah, well, I, I would love to gift all of your listeners um, a free copy of my book if they want it. They can go to shift four steps. That's the number four dot com. Um, and they can get shift four steps to personal empowerment there. Um, I also can gift them my teachings and which come with me as a group as a coach. And so they can get 30 day access to the pattern maker hub and give it a try. See if this approach is for them. Um, I'm here to spread the word as far and as wide as I possibly can and support everybody I can in coming over to the light side. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, you got to change to go from the dark side. You got to, you want to be the, you want to be the Jedi, not the, the Sith Lord. Is that it? Right? That's wanna, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big Star Wars fan. So, um, yeah. Adele, it's awesome. I'll definitely share everything in the short show notes and uh, and uh, let, let everyone know that. And I certainly appreciate you coming on and sharing. This is actually a, I can't believe how many notes I took down here and, and what I've learned from this. So I, I know it's probably been impactful for other folks listening in as well. So thank you so much for uh, taking some time out and sharing uh, your journey and, and a lot of the uh, discovery you've done over the years. Oh, thank you, Brian. And thank you for doing what you do. Because, um, you know, having, allowing guests on like me, that's, that's awesome. And thank you for being that podcast host. I appreciate that. You know, it's so funny. It's, it's part of, as we were talking about earlier, kind of the overcoming fear, at least, at least kind of saying, hey, I'm going to do this. It was a lot of it around wanting to learn, wanting to, mm. um, wanting to have that discovery and basically realizing that the older I get, the less I know is kind of how, how I take it. So where, what could I learn? And if I'm learning, well then heck, I know everyone else listening is learning as well. So having folks like yourself on something I don't think about enough. So that's why I was like, Oh, this would be really cool. So yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing, uh, sharing some, some great insight here on these topics. So thank you. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have been of service and thank you for having me. 
Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by. Um, if you wanted to connect further, please head over to my website, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at brianondraco, or search for me on LinkedIn, just brianondraco. Um, I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.